Hi there, welcome to Coaches on a Mission. I'm your host, Dallas Travers, and this show is the place to be if you're a values-driven coach and you want to build a business that you're truly proud of. My guest today is Jenny Nash. Jenny is the founder and CEO of Author Accelerator, which is a company that trains, certifies, and supports book coaches so that those coaches can help writers do their best work. I invited Jenny to the show for a whole host of reasons. Number one, she has really mastered the art of delivering as a coach and a course creator. Her Author Accelerator program, it's truly unmatched. You know, we're lucky enough inside the hive to have a little cohort of author accelerator coaches, and they all sing Jenny's praises. So I knew that Jenny was just someone that I selfishly wanted to know. (laughs) So secondly, Jenny is super smart and really, really committed to helping us all raise our voices and tell our stories through book writing. You know, her own coaching clients, they've landed top New York agents and six-figure book deals with traditional publishing houses. They've also won dozens of national indie book awards. And her client, KJ Dale Antonia's novel, The Chicken Sisters, was an instant New York Times bestseller and Reese Witherspoon book club pick. All right, so Jenny and I had a really enlivening conversation about why every coach should really consider writing a book, what it actually takes to write a good book, and of course, we dish a little bit about the books on our nightstands right now. We actually disagree about what I think is my favorite book of all time. So you'll have to tune in to hear that conversation. (laughs) You should know that Jenny herself is the author of 11 books in three different genres. So one of the books is Blueprint for a Nonfiction Book, Plan and Pitch Your Ideas. Another book is called Blueprint for a Book, Build Your Novel from the Inside Out. So please find out more about Jenny, the Author Accelerator Program, and even check out their matchmaking service. If you get as excited about book writing as I was in this conversation, you're going to want to hire a coach. You can go to authoraccelerator.com or jennynash.com, and Jenny is spelled J-E-N-N-I-E. All right, so if you're a coach on a mission, which I know you are because you're still listening, get ready to really get inspired to raise your own voice. I mentioned it, but I'll say it again. I myself had a breakthrough during this interview, and now Jenny's even got me thinking about writing my next book. She's really just that good. All right, here's Jenny Nash. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Me too. We have so many people in common, and we met officially for the first time two months ago. Does that feel about right? Yeah. And I felt like that conversation, I just felt immediately like we were comrades, and you actually gave me a really brilliant business idea in that one conversation. So I've been looking forward to this day, and I'm really happy to have you on the show to share your wisdom around book writing and whether or not it actually makes sense for the coaches listening to put writing a book on their list. Well, I felt the same way about you, and I'm happy to be here too. Let's dive in. I feel like our listeners can already sense them saying, yeah, writing a book sounds great, but I don't know where to begin. I'm not an expert enough. Whatever other version of I'm not ready might come up for them. So I'd love to just start our conversation today hearing what words of wisdom you might offer someone who's worried about whether or not they have what it takes to write a book. 
I love starting there because it's a really big issue for a lot of people, actually. I've been coaching writers to write books for 12 years and training others to help writers do it. And I've seen a lot of people and a lot of projects. And there are commonalities, of course, that come up in that. And the things you're talking about are some of those baseline commonalities that I don't really have anything to say. Other people have written books like it. Who am I? I'm not good enough. All of those things. And what's interesting, though, is that there's usually something counteracting those things, which is, but I kind of have this itch. I kind of want to. I kind of feel like I should or I could or what would it be like if I did? And so those competing desires, they're big emotions, right? The big emotion of feeling called to make something or create something. And all of your listeners already have answered that call probably or are in the midst of it. They're coaches with businesses and they've created products and projects and courses and things and and they know that feeling. So if they're feeling that about a book, it doesn't go away. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing, right? (laughs) Right. But on the other side are those counteracting thoughts as well. What I have seen time and time and time again is that the managing or mastery or whatever you want to call it of those emotions is a really big part of writing a book. And so it's not that they're going to disappear. It's that you're going to become aware of them understand which ones are stronger and why, how you can overcome them if indeed you want to overcome them. And that concept of raising your voice is at the heart of all of it. Can you talk a little bit more about that piece, the raising your voice piece? And I just want to hear your wisdom around that. Well, a book is a really unique thing. It's an object that exists in the world. And the way we typically think of books in this culture anyway is that it's going to live forever, that books are things that can literally transcend time. We've all read books by people who have been dead for hundreds of years, and we've Mm -hmm. gained wisdom from them, and they sit on our shelves, and we touch them and hold them in our hands. So creating a book is a commitment. It is different from a lot of things, and it has that energy around it of legacy or this is going to stand for me for all time. And I actually think that those things are true. (laughs) They are true. A book lasts. It's a thing that really does have an impact across generations, across time. People that you don't know are going to read this and be moved by it. And so that idea of it's taking up space. You're literally saying, I want to take up space in the world. And you're saying, I have something to say that I want y'all to listen to. And if you think about all the times in our lives when we're told not to do those things, don't take up space, play small. Can you be quiet? Could you stop crying? Could you, you know, all the ways that people who love us and our society at large try to keep us in a a small container or a box. And for different folks in our society, that's worse than for others. So in the world of publishing right now, we're having a awakening to the fact that we have really marginalized so many voices and that we have to change that and work towards that. And we have to realize that 
some folks have been told, we don't care about your story. We don't care about your experience. Just be quiet over there and keep it down. And so in all different ways, we've all been told that. And writing a book is saying, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. So Jenny. Yeah. So raising your voice is literal. It's like, I'm going to shout. I'm going to speak. I'm going to get up on a soapbox and say what I think and what I feel and what I believe. And I'm doing that because I want you to listen to me. I mean, it's huge. And so these things that we're talking about, if somebody goes to write a book and they don't think about these things and they only think about what's my table of contents, (laughs) you know, or like (laughs) you can see how small they're thinking. How many words should it be? How many followers do I have to have on whatever social media before I write a book? That's all just small thinking. And the work is, no, this is really big. This is big personal interior work that you're doing. And that's the reason why it's so satisfying. And that's the reason why so many people, I think, want to do it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I don't know if I told you this, but in my former life, my first coaching business, I was a business coach for actors and I self-published a book. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. It's called The Tao of Show Business, How to Pursue Your Dreams Without Losing Your Mind. Amazing. What you just shared, I I really connected to everything you just shared because for me, it was exactly that experience. Because if you just think of social media right now, if you're a coach and you've created even a mini course and you're active on one social platform, you are pretty much prolific with the amount of content that we crank out. But I just love how you gave voice to this idea of raising your voice because writing a book is that. And it's also, I just felt like I was writing myself this big permission slip to own the fact that I have enough to say that is 172 pages worth. And it's enough to say that I'm going to invite you to carry it around in your hands with you. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a really big deal. And we spend the time that we spend as readers when we're reading a book is actually very intimate. You're with that writer. They're in your head. You're in theirs. You're in it with them. And it's for a long period of time to however long it takes to read a book. It depends on your reading speed, but it's going to be a long period of time. And it's a privilege to have somebody come into that space you've created and to listen to you in that way. And, you know, there's so many books that are written. This is my this whole reason why I do what I do is that there's so many books that are written that are not very good. <laughs> we don't need more bad books. And yeah. Publishing has changed where the the means of production in the terminology of the industrial revolution is in the hands of the worker. Anybody can write a book. You and I could take the transcript from this podcast and put it up on Amazon tomorrow and put a price on it, put a cover on it, and it's a book and we're done. Would it be a very good book? No. And so the now that publishing walls are down, it's open to anyone to do. We have a lot of bad books. And even those books that are published by the big publishers and the big names, a lot of those are bad. And and I'm sure your listeners have had that experience of reading a book that everyone's talking about. And you're like, I've read these ideas a hundred times. They sound like everybody else. What's new here? What's different here? And 
what's missing in those books is the person's voice and their heart. This thing we're talking about, this, it's not tangible, but it's that sense of authority and that sense of saying what they really want to say. And alternatively, when you read a book like that, it just blows your mind. For me, I can't stop talking about a book like that. And you tell everyone you know, you must read this book. And books are sold by word of mouth. That is most of how they're sold. And it's because, so what's the last book you told somebody they had to read? It sounds like you do that too. I do. It's annoying, I think, to people because they don't even ask me. I'll just tell them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. So a commitment that I have is I balance fiction with like personal development and business development. I do the same. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll just like, all I do is read parenting books and that does not make an an interesting human. But Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mom Died. (gasps) I have that on my bedside table. Yes. I read that. I was on vacation. I read it fast. And that is an, an example of someone raising their voice. And she does it in this very humorous way. And I'm a former Mormon and she's a former Mormon. So we had that in common too. So I was very engaged with the book, but that was just an easy read. And I really love that. But the best book I think I've read in the last probably three years is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Oh, that's so interesting. I started that and couldn't get into it for whatever reason. Isn't that something? I, what I tell people is she'll have you hooked by the second sentence. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Which is so the opposite of your experience. Yeah. 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 Well, I recently read the last book that I read that I have told the most people about is a book called This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's a fantastic title. This is I'm not a book about down. Benedict Cumberbatch. And the author's name is Tamara. And I'm blanking on her last name, which is so embarrassing. And I'm so sorry. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. But this book, she's an Australian writer. And oh my gosh, this book is everything. She was a super fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. And it turns out that there is an entire universe of super fans of his. And it's one of those books where you're like, what is this? And you open the door and you sort of go in and it's, there's this whole world. And there's all these people that are obsessed with him in all these different ways, obsessed with him, including this entire industry of erotic fiction where people are making up stories with About Sherlock him? Holmes and, and <laughs> the sidekick Watson. Yes. So like just bizarre whole world. And this author realized that she was hiding her obsession and she was hiding her interest and she was hiding her sexuality. She was hiding all these things around it. And she sort of just got to this point where she's like, I'm not hiding this anymore. I'm owning this. So talk about raising her voice. And, but the book is so amazing because this is what the best books do is you start out thinking, this is sort of interesting. Who knew Benedict Cumberbatch erotic fiction? fascinating, whatever. And you go down this path, but then she goes deeper and deeper and deeper into this idea that women in particular are made to not love what we love, that we don't have permission to love what we love. And she talks about little girls being told, you don't need another sparkly tutu. And she talks about the difference between how we treat 
little boys' passions versus little girls' passions. And she talks about the girls, and she uses the term girls, who go to concerts, like screaming Harry Styles super fans, and that we think that sort of isn't that charming and hopefully it'll outgrow that soon, honey. And what she's saying is like, no, a man who's obsessed with the Green Bay Packers gets to go to the game and scream and shout and buy the swag and spend all the money. And we say, isn't that great? But so she goes deep, 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 deep into this idea of owning what you love. And then it ends. The reason I telling everybody about this book is it basically ends with her writing about the book, the writing of the book, because what she's saying is I have raised my voice around this to such an extent that I am writing this book for you and putting this all out on the table for you. And it's so inspiring and so powerful in so many ways. And so I press this book into everybody's hands because the author has done that thing that we're looking for in a book, which is she has claimed her topic And even, you know, the title you laughed and I laughed, I laugh every time I say it, it's such a good title because it captures that kind of wink, wink. This is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch, but actually it is, but really it's not. And, you know, it's, (laughs) and it's like, you can just hear, even the way I'm talking about this, I'm never not delighted by encountering a book like that. And that's what I want for every writer that I work with. And every writer that my coaches work with is write a book like that. Only that woman could write that book and that's the book you need to write. And that's why it's hard. Putting words on the page is really quite easy. I mean, talk about my mind blown. I have in the last 10 days become made aware of something I was not aware of. Maybe other people are, but there's artificial software, artificial intelligence software now that can write for you. And it turns out that a lot of blog posts are being written using this software. There's several different brands or names that are quite big. And all of a sudden they hear everybody talking about them. And I've done a couple trials of them to see how they work because I want to educate myself. It's terrifying how good they are. Really? It's terrifying. Oh, yeah. You could spit out a five bullet point blog post on a topic that it's going to sound quite good. And it takes about 30 seconds. And that goes to that question of, are humans irrelevant? (laughs) You know, (laughs) are are book writers going to be obsolete? Are not even book writers, blog writers going to be obsolete? And on the one hand, it's already happened. So there's that. And then on the other hand, I don't think ever, 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 are the computers going to replace somebody who's writing with their full heart and with their full voice? Yeah. So maybe these algorithms can write a better book than some of the bad books you talked about that are being written, but someone who really commits to sharing their full voice, it's like a different conversation. I think the sharing of ideas in books is such a noble thing that we do as humans. We can learn about someone's life in South Africa. We can learn about a woman who fell in love with Benedict Cumberbatch. We can learn about what it's like when your mother dies. We can learn all the different ways people can be in the world. That's what we're doing when we're writing books. It's big stuff. Hey, I've got a question for you. 
What's your coaching superpower? If you haven't thought about it, I've got a free quiz that's pretty good at deciphering your magical mojo. Are you great at creating connections? Maybe you're a natural leader who people just trust, or perhaps it's your strong sense of purpose that you really need to leverage. Let's find out where you are, where you want to be, and how to best get you there with the Coaching Superpower Quiz. It'll take you about 45 seconds to complete, and when you're done, you'll learn the precise steps you need to take, whether you're ready to scale your business, you wanna build your list, or you just need to find some paying clients. Plus, you'll get your very own personalized toolkit that caters to your unique superpower because accentuating the positive is always a good idea. So if you're ready to clear away the fog, chart your course, and steer your business in the right direction with as much ease and grace as possible, go take the superpower quiz. You can find it now at sixfigurecoachquiz.com. First of all, your passion for books and writing and raising your voice, my jaw's starting to hurt. I'm smiling so hard just picking up on your passion. So thank you for bringing that forward. And I had an aha as you were sharing, which was, wow, I came into this really just assuming that we were going to talk about why a coach should write a how-to book. And suddenly I realized, well, yeah, they could, but... Just because you have a coaching business, if you feel called to write a book, it doesn't mean it has to be a how-to book. Like if you're a perimenopause coach, it doesn't have to be a how-to approach to how you help women going through perimenopause. And that's kind of revolutionary to me. I could tell you story after story after story about my favorite story of people who have not done what they think they're supposed to do. Yeah. My favorite story is a client came to me and he filled out my whole intake thing. And we got on a call, a discovery call. And within the first two minutes, I said to him, I actually don't think you want to write this book. And he sort of stared at me and said, why would you say such a thing? (laughs) Like I've come to you for coaching. (laughs) And I said, because you pretty much told me that in this intake form, like here are all the places where you have said, it feels like an obligation in so many words, or I have to, or a famous writer, he has a famous writer friend said I should. And I said, I'm just seeing everywhere that you don't actually really want to do this. And he said, you are so right. I do not want to write that book. Sounds so boring. It sounds so (laughs) deadly. I know how long it's going to take. I don't want to do it. And I said to him, well, then why are we talking? And he said, because there's another book I want to write. Oh, yeah. He needs permission to do that. He's fishing around for permission to do that. And that sort of thing happens again and again and again. And I find that most people who have one book idea have five book ideas. Well, I know this about you. In the brief time, we've become friends. Another business idea, another product idea, another, all the ideas. Yeah, right. All the, all time. the time. It's not like people have one book idea. So we're recording this before the new year, but people listening might not hear it until later. But I have some of my goals for the new year, include writing books my own self. And I find that when I get into that space, I have four books I want to write. And 
I have to choose. I mean, I have to prioritize. Yeah. I have to write one first, but I find creativity begets creativity and yes. permission begets permission. So once I give myself permission to do that thing, there's all the blooming of all the ideas. And I've just learned that that ebbs and flows. And when I'm in it and I'm feeling that I'm going to write all the books and I can see them all and I can, I can taste them all and I'm ready. And I actually hired one of the book coaches that I trained because I truly believe in what we all do. And I hire my own folks and, you know, I've got money down, I've got deadlines down, I've got commitments down and, and I'm doing it. And, and my hope is to get through at least two in 2023. (laughs) That's inspiring. Yeah, I feel like I've had two book ideas just since we started talking. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I'm curious, this person who said, well, I have this other idea, has he given himself permission yet to write it? Or is he... Yeah. He did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll just tell you because I think it's really interesting, the actual topics. So this is a man who is an executive business coach and he coaches people at very, very high levels. Many people from the Obama administration, Doctors Without Borders, Google, you know, just big, big time clients and big time people. And he thought that he had to write a book about business leadership, leadership, or something. Yeah. Right. The blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Told me on that call, I said, what? do you really want to write is he had recently adopted two boys. He's a gay man. He's a single dad. And he had adopted these two boys. And he said, I want to write a book for gay people raising twins or something like that. And I was like, then that's the book that you should write. You know, that was what he was obsessed with. And he was thinking about all the time. And he was in that space. So many, so many parents get to of like, this is so hard. (laughs) What have I done? (laughs) And he actually, I don't think I'm betraying him by speaking his story because I've heard him tell his story in public many times, but he told me that he knew that that was something he wanted to write about because he said, at the end of the day, when I've had my second glass of wine and the boys are asleep and I'm there with my own thoughts, that's what I think about doing. And it was like, yeah, that's the thing. And so he probably will write that book. But what he circled around with me was something that he is very passionate about in his own business, a very small piece of that big idea that that big idea was going to be a boring book. Boring that book. That we yeah. heard a million times. hard time. to write. Yeah. yeah. And like hard to distinguish and you can just see the cover. Like it's just, it was just sort of not inspiring. But in our conversation, after we got past that first piece of what he was thinking about, I said, so tell me about what you do and tell me about why you want to raise your voice around this at all. Why are we speaking again? And he did land an idea and his book is coming out probably right around the time that this podcast will air. And it's a book called Your Invisible Network. And it's a book particularly for what he calls first generation people. So that would be the first in your family to do whatever the thing is. The first to go to medical school, the first to be a manager at a company, the first to own a company, the first in your family in a career world. And he's written a book for 
teaching those people the lessons that somebody that comes up and is raised up in a different family or a different situation is taught. You're taught how to network. You're taught how to make your way. You're taught how to find a mentor. You're taught how to ask for help, how to ask for favors. You're taught those things. And there's a whole group of very smart, ambitious, educated people who are not taught that because they simply are the first. He peeled off of this big generic business leadership book, the thing that he is most passionate about in it. And so he came out of that with two book ideas that were about raising his voice around his parenting and then around this particular population of people. And your invisible network, I think, is going to make a big splash. It's very powerful. It's very specific. It's very actionable. It is helpful in so many ways. I've learned so many things. I mean, that's why I love what I do. I get to learn all the things. I completely, yeah. <laughs> I know. know. (laughs) So that's just one story of many of why the first thing is understand that writing a book is raising your voice and understand that if you are a coach who's thinking, like, let's talk about why would a coach want to write a book? You want to expand your audience. You want to become a thought leader in your space and distinguish yourself from other people. You want to claim intellectual property if you've made a framework or you've made a method or something that other folks are starting to use. You want to put a pin in that for your own self. You want to make money. It's a great way to earn more money, especially if you're a speaker or a consultant. So good for positioning. Yeah. Yeah. You can go in and sell your books as a textbook for a workshop you're you're going to run. So there's so many reasons to write a book, but it doesn't have to be the generic, here's everything I know about all the things. And it's going to be this boring checklisty thing of all the things. It can be, you can peel off a piece of it and write some beautiful, jewel-like, powerful thing that meets all the goals that you have, but is the work of your heart. Yeah. That's blowing my mind, to be honest, to think of it in that way. So let's talk about other ways that a coach can get a return on their investment when it comes to writing a book. So what are other returns there? You mentioned a few of them. Yeah. I mean, most people tend to think in two terms when they think about a return on investment. They think about money and they think about time. Everybody knows it's going to take a long time to write Mm -hmm. a book. And so they wisely think, I don't have time. I'm doing all the other things. Uh, And they understand they have to probably give something up if they're going to write this book. That's all very true. (laughs) So the time is an investment and then the money is an investment. And most people are going to spend money writing a book, whether they're going to hire a book coach or an editor on the front end or marketing publicity folks on the back end or all of the above, writing a book is is probably going to take an investment of money. So do you get back your time? Well, of course not. (laughs) So the time that you spend is the time that you spend and it is going to take time. And the return on investment, the truth of the matter is most people don't make their money back on the book itself. You don't really make money writing a nonfiction book. The metrics aren't there for most people. And whether there's so many different paths to publishing, but 
even if you are dreaming of, I'm going to get an agent and a big book deal, it doesn't happen to that many people. Those big six figure or higher book deals are very, very, very rare. So the return on investment of money doesn't come from that. So then what does it come from? And it's got to come from these other areas. I'm a very good example of this. I have books that I have written on my blueprint framework, and I actually give a lot of them away. (laughs) I'm about to do a, a presentation at the, we're talking coming up on the end of National Novel Writing Month that a lot of people do. It's called NaNoWriMo, and it's hundreds of thousands of people commit to writing a first draft of a book in this month. And, and I'm doing a big presentation for one of their big sponsors on, okay, now you're done. How do you go about revising the book? And everybody who comes to this presentation, which could be thousands of people, I'm giving a digital copy of my book because I just want them to have the content. What I use my book for is you know, it's like a a mission. (laughs) I want out there. I want people to know. I want people to be talking about it. I want them to use it. And I like to believe that that's going to come back to me. It's a type of marketing. It's a type of awareness marketing of getting it out there. So for me, that book is not about making money at all. And yeah, I mean, what do I make per book? I self-published this book. So I make somewhere in the neighborhood of let's just call it Five dollars a book. Yeah, right. a, a thousand people times five dollars a book. That's not moving the needle. <laughs> you know, that's not. I'm not interested in that. So, you do have to know why you're doing it and what you want out of it. And what I just described is, I have creative control of my whole book. I can give it away. I can give it for free. I can, you know, I can let all my coaches use it. I can do anything I want with my book. If I've published with a traditional publisher. I can't do that. And so my goal is probably going to be different if I go in that direction. So knowing what you want out of the book is critical to how you're going to do that book and what you're going to get back for it. So somebody who wants to use a book as leverage to be quoted in the mainstream media, let's say, that's a thing a lot of people want probably they're going to want a traditional publisher because they're going to want reviews in the traditional publishing media, the newspapers and NPR, and that's what they're trying for. And if you want to be an airport bookstore, that's a very specific kind of goal. You want the book in people's hands at a certain point in their lives, but like really drilling down into what do you want? What is your goal? What impact do you want to make? And it's just like anything else, Dallas, you know, this with business. Oh no, touch all the people. It's like, yes, but what people (laughs) and how do you want to touch them? And how? Yeah. Right. And the way that, that I like to think about a nonfiction book is if you think about your business as an ecosystem, and that's a term that I have recently learned from Pamela Slim. Uh She's famous for her book, Escape from Cubicle Nation. And she has a new book out called The Widest Net. She's a marketer. And I love that term of ecosystem. But if you think about, okay, the ecosystem is all the people that I interact with and all of the things that I do in my business. And there are connections to that. So is this book going to be something that introduces people to my ecosystem? Like, is it going to be the first thing they hear about me is this book and then they come into my ecosystem. 
is it going to be something that I use in my ecosystem? So that would be, I teach a course or I do a trainings or I do something that this book is going to be used for when I'm in it. Or is it going to be something people take away after they've worked with me or after they've heard me speak? Or So this would be, for example, somebody who's got a big speaking career and does a lot of talks on stages at corporate events, for example. They need to know, okay, when I'm done speaking my 45-minute keynote, somebody can pick my book up at the back of the room and take it home with me. They want to go deeper into the my ideas than they've just been able to do in these 45 minutes. Now that book is serving a different function than the book that is introducing someone to an ecosystem. So it's knowing where in the process your book is going to come. I've recently heard a podcast episode. Amy Porterfield was talking about her forthcoming book And it was very interesting because she was speaking about it in this way. She has a huge reach and a huge audience and many, many people that know her work. And she was making the assumption that her book was someone who had never heard of her. So that's what I mean. It wasn't, okay, one of the millions of people that she's taught, once you take her course, you want to go deeper. No, she said, this is for someone who's never heard of me. And she went even further and she said, it's for a particular kind of person who's never heard of me. So the the name of her book is called Two Weeks Notice, and it's specifically targeted towards people who are in corporate jobs thinking about coming into work like you and I do, into coaching work and being their own boss. It's very specific goal for her to write a book that's going to have that impact. So the question was about how do we measure or know what the return on investment is going to be? It's going to be know why you're doing it, know what it's going to cost you, time, energy, money, opportunity costs, other things you can't make and do, and make sure that you're very intentional about those ideas and, and that discussion because you're not going to lead your own self astray. The worst possible Uh, thing is to say, I'm going to write a book. And what I want out of that is I want to be in the New York times and I'm going to hit the bestseller list. It's like, great. So does literally everybody else. So does everyone else, even people who don't (laughs) want to write a book would like that. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, it's getting past that dream state of this would be so cool to have written a book and into that place I mean, I'll tell one more story as an illustration because this person is just so inspiring to me. Her name's Renee Gilbo, and her book is coming out quite soon as well, and it's called The Taste of Opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Renee was a high school dropout. She spent her whole career working in the world of food, and she worked in jobs that you and I have didn't even know exist. <laughs> she was head of food for Google. And okay. They, yeah. Right. Did you know that was a job? No, no, no. And <laughs> she was in charge. I think I have this number, right? I'm bad with numbers actually. So I might not. I think it was 77,000 meals a day across the globe for Google employees and executive dining rooms and the oh lunch rooms and the, like the whole thing. This was her job, right? So massive logistics, massive connections and relationships to vendors and all this sort of thing. And she ran food for 
Le Pain Quotidien, the, the bakery chain. Yeah. So big, big jobs and just interesting, interesting jobs. So she comes to me and she wants to write a book. <laughs> and I'm like, great. And she does that thing. Like, it's about all the things. That's like, no, it's not about all the things. <laughs> like, we got to drill down and figure out why are you doing this? Why do you care? What do you really actually want to say? All these questions. And if she's up on a soapbox, it's this. It's there is so much opportunity in the world of food to have a good career, an impactful career. She said, food is touching all the big issues of our time, climate change, sustainability, equity, and inclusion. And she says, particularly, she says, the only industry that you can have a massive success in if you are uneducated and don't have any skill to stand on. You can, she says, you can get a job at a fast food restaurant at minimum wage, flipping burgers. If you show up and you have good energy and you listen, you could be a manager probably within six months because nobody else is doing those things. And then she says, if you show up and you listen and you do this and that, you could be a regional manager. And then she's saying there's so many opportunities for for women, for minorities, for all kinds of people who are typically ignored by other industries. And she herself is an example of this. So what she said, she decided she wanted to write The Taste of Opportunity is a book about how to make your way as a young person in this industry, what you have to do right in your first job and your second job and your third job as you move up the line to be able to impact these things that are global issues. And she envisioned for herself that she wanted to go around to colleges and speak to people that nobody else was speaking to. Nobody else is talking to those people who's saying that job that you had because you're a kid on scholarship and you're washing dishes in your cafeteria for four years to get yourself through school is actually a stepping stone to something really good. And impactful. So impactful. So she zeroed in on this thing. This is what she wrote her book about. And reining her in was a lot because she could have written (laughs) 10 books. And she came to me with a spreadsheet and and I just looked at it and I was like, just no, no, just not the spreadsheet. (laughs) And when she finally decided what she really wanted to say, well, she's got this book coming out. She has got so much amazing stuff happening around the launch of this book. She is talking to huge players all across her industry. She's gotten massive endorsements. She's building an entire training course that she's taking to these major corporations. I mean, huge employers of people because guess what? Her book is perfectly positioned for helping with retention. So it's for the worker, but the corporate folks need this as well. She's just sitting on this explosive thing that she's built just from writing that right book. So when you think about return on investment, well, she spent a huge amount of money on this book for I could put in your show notes because it's just an example that I think is very inspiring. She has this trailer for the book. It's like a book trailer, like a movie trailer. And she like hired a full on cinematographer and, you know, that like the whole thing and doing it. Yeah. Right. And she sent a camera crew around to interview different folks to have, like, she's really invested in it. And what's the return on investment going to be? 
I mean, she's going to have a really big impact on something she really cares about. And is she going to make money on that book? No, (laughs) no. But does she care? No. That's why even if we're talking about a coach who's running a business and they're changing their own corner of their industry, they have things that they want to say. They've got things they really see that are wrong, that they want to change, that they want to make something out of that. That's how you get past that. Well, I don't have anything to say, or somebody said it before, or a book just came out on that topic or, oh, she, whoever she is, she wrote that book and it's good. And so there's nothing left to say. It's like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just sit down and think about what would you change if you could? What makes you mad? What would you fight for? You know, one of my favorite things to say to somebody writing, thinking of writing a book is Oprah isn't on the air anymore. (laughs) But when she, when she (laughs) was, I would say, okay, you're on Oprah. What are you talking about? Yeah. You got your 15 minutes of fame. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to say? Why are you there? And thinking in that way helps you to zero in on, do I really have something to say? Is it going to be worth my time, effort, energy, and money to do this? Is that something I really want to focus on? Thank you for sharing all of that. The thing that's playing in my mind as you're speaking is this, it reminds me of the advice I give members of my hive around niching, because there's all this talk around having a narrow niche. And narrow, I get the alliteration, but it's not the right word, actually. The word is deep, right? We need to deepen our niche. So what I'm hearing you say here is, if I'm sitting staring at a blank page thinking, I want to write a book, but I don't know what to say and does what I have to say matter. And a book is so big. Every example you've shared today is powerful because people gave themselves permission to go deep. I'll get granular about the one thing and also to understand who's reading the book. And that can just push aside so many questions we think we need answers to. Yeah. But that really sounds like it's the first step. And the other thing that keeps playing in my mind, and I think this is a great question to wrap up with, is, boy, aren't we glad to have book coaches on the planet? (laughs) Because this is a huge... It's a lot. The healing... And I went through so much healing. I worked with a book coach, and that was such a healing process for me. And it was really me, because I was kind of this outsider in the entertainment industry, and it was me wearing that with pride yes. and inviting myself to the table because no yes. one else was going to do it. Yes. So the transformation that happened for me, but also it's the thing that took my business. I nearly had a seven figure business and it's because I wrote the book. It's not because I sold so many books. I gave them all away, but it was the positioning. So I know the benefit and that book never would have been written if I hadn't worked with a coach who could just hold that container for me. So can we wrap up our conversation talking about book coaching and the value that a book coach can bring to this process? I feel like you've illustrated it just in the stories that you've told, but I really want to drive this point home for anyone who's listening, who's feeling inspired, and then what? Yeah. I love being able to answer this question, particularly for your audience, because your audience are coaches or people thinking about becoming coaches. And therefore we all know the value of being coached. And it is 
anybody who has been coached in any way it could even be back to you played a sport or you were a musician or a, a singer, a vocal coach, anybody who has been coached and been inspired and had a good coach knows how powerful it is. And to me, the true power of a book coach is you've got someone to witness your creative process. That's the way I think mm. of it. A companion in the creative process who is there to witness with you. And Lots of people get scared. They think, oh, if I ask for help around my writing, that means it's not going to be my own or they're going to take it over and make it something different. Huh. And nothing could be further from the truth, at least the way I teach my coaches to right. be. Right? It's, <laughs> no, no. A coach is going to help you find your voice and help you find your story and help you find what you care about and then keep you accountable and on track so that you do it. And busy people know there's nothing like paying money to be held accountable. You're going to do it. You're going to do the work. It's how the hive works. Yep. We all commit exactly. together to this goal and this common thing that we want. And the same is true with a coach and a writer in a, a small scale that you bring somebody into your process to make it more efficient and to make it less lonely. That's a huge part of yes. it to have a built-in feedback loop so that you don't have to sit there and wonder, is this any good? A good coach is going to tell you, what are you doing? This is not what you said you were doing, or you're not there yet, or we got to try again, or we need to revise those 300 pages again. The hardest thing I do as a coach, and I've done it many times, is to tell somebody, this isn't this isn't what you say you want to do. It's not there. It's not on the page. So what are we going to do about that? Do you really want to do that thing? Do you have the energy to, to do it? It's having built-in accountability and compassion for this mm -hmm. long haul. So that's what a coach can do for you, as well as all the nuts and bolts of marketplace intelligence and how do we start? Where do we go? What should I write? How many pages? How long is it going to take? All of the you know, we've been dismissing those pieces in some ways in this conversation, because to me, they're not the interesting part, but <laughs> that's the work that we do is what I always tell people is you're the expert in your topic. I'm the expert in how to bring it to life. I know that process. I know how books work. I know how they get made. I know how they get sold and positioned. I know how to get the attention of the powers that be. I can help you make decisions. I know all that. You're the expert in your topic. And together, we should have a very powerful outcome for them. That was exactly my experience. So I thought about writing my book for about three years. And then I paid money to work with a book coach because I knew that I was tired of saying I wanted to write a book and doing nothing about it. And the reason I wasn't writing was I got really hung up on, oh my goodness, what am I going to do when the book is written? That was the big problem for me. And then by hiring the coach, I knew, okay, she can handle that. I don't need to carry that. And it just, it was the game changer for me. So I'm going to step in here for a second. For our listeners, Jenny and I were in the middle of a conversation and my power went out. So we are back and we are going to pick up where we left off. I was just talking about the value I found in the container of working with a book coach. And the biggest point I wanted to make was the stuff that stopped me, the stuff that kept me talking about writing a book for three years before I did it 
was, what am I going to do when the book is written? And then I realized all of those questions were none of my business, Mm -hmm. especially in the first stages. And those are the questions that I could just hand over to my book coach. And I knew that she would have either the answers or resources for me when the time came to get those questions answered. And that, so then I wrote the whole thing in nine months. It was written and in my hands. That's amazing. (laughs) In that short amount of time because I had the container. Well, you are smart and it's recognizing what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you need help with and valuing other folks who may know. So I love that you did that and that you had a good experience. That's happy news. I had a great experience. All right. So for our listeners who really feel called now to share their voice, they're inspired by the stories that you've shared. Can you talk a little bit about the matchmaking program that you have in conjunction with the Author Accelerator? Because it's such a value to someone who wants to get started and and needs that container I just talked about. I would love to talk about that briefly. So my company is called Author Accelerator and we train and certify and support book coaches. I believe we're the only company that does to my knowledge. And I'm very proud of the work that we've done. We've certified more than 130 coaches in fiction and nonfiction now. And at the moment we are operating on a philosophy that the writer doesn't need to fish around to figure out who a good match for them would be. I don't love the marketplaces where you go and there's 9 million people and you have to pick, like, how are you supposed to know? I think sometimes the metrics people use to pick are not the ones that really matter. So what we do is we hand match writers to our coaches. We have an employee whose whole job is to do that. And we have a very intense intake form when we ask you about your topic and your idea and your goal and your timeline, what kind of coach you want. Are you looking for some tough love? You know, we've got people who are on publisher deadlines and they need to get this thing out and done fast. Or is this your first time and you want someone who can be very patient and compassionate? So we ask a lot of questions about your project and it's a $25 fee to be matched because we spend so much time with it. And what we then do is we go to the coaches that we think would be a good match and we ask if they have the capacity for a new project and if they want to take this project on. So they get to opt in to that as well, which I think is important. And then the writer has the opportunity to speak to that coach to see if it's a good fit. So a good fit is usually just a vibe and you know, and we don't employ our coaches. They're their own bosses. We amplify their work. And so they set their own pricing. And that's another thing on the intake form that people can say if they have a tight budget or they only have a small amount to spend and they're looking to spend it at the right time or in the right place. So that's how our matching process works. And we're very proud of it. The results tend to be staggeringly magical. (laughs) And when I say that, the things that have happened in our matching process are kind of mind blowing. The needle in the haystack that we find with the thing that someone shares or it's really cool. So if anyone is interested in coaching, they can do that matching. And we're happy to try a few times if the vibe isn't right and to get you with somebody who would be good for your project. Thank you. So we'll include a link in the show notes, but where can folks go to access the matchmaking program? They can go to authoraccelerator.com and it should be very clear on there. You to click through what you're writing and start that form. And if anyone's feeling nervous about 
oh, I don't want to say my idea out loud. What if somebody steals it? That's a common fear for people who don't work in this industry. And really the conversation you and I have had is an explanation for why you shouldn't worry about that. Nobody can write the book that you want to write. And your idea for better or for worse is not worth anything. It's the execution of that idea, (laughs) right? And it's the heart that you bring to the idea. And your book coach doesn't want to steal your idea. (laughs) Yeah. They have enough. They have enough of their own book ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But if folks are feeling nervous, that should allay their fears. But it's a great place to see if this would work for you. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for the Benedict Cumberbatch book recommendation. That is next on my list. I will circle back with you after I'm done reading it. But I have to confess, I mentioned I wrote a book. So up until this very conversation, I have really felt like, no, I've been there, done that, checked it off my list. I have courses to make. And now, darn it. Jenny Nash, you got me thinking about another book. So I love it. My job here is done. If you would like to have me back on, I will coach you live and, oh, and wow. we could do that someday. That would, that be, would be amazing. Fun. Yeah. That would if be you're amazing. serious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. And uh, now I can't get out of it. So thank nice you so much for coming loud. on the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. And yeah. I hope your power stays steady. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things <laughs> to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So let's be Insta friends. Head on over to Instagram and look for my new handle. Again, it's Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. You can do that now and you just might find some funny reels while you're there. So believe me when I tell you, it'll be worth it. Okay, thanks again for tuning in. I truly appreciate that you make time to listen to this show and I hope you have a wonderful week.